I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 95 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hammer that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have got a great show for you guys today. My guest on the podcast is former Navy SEAL and canine training expert Mike Ritland, and he has got an awesome message to share about fatherhood, so please stick around for the interview. And we have started a new month here. We are now in November. Halloween is in the books, and I hope everybody out there had a safe and happy Halloween and that your insurance covers a part of your dental bill. As a class parent of my daughter's pre-K class, I have got to say the Halloween party was a big success. The kids really enjoyed my little throwback to the old classic tradition of bobbing for apples. I made sure each kid had their own kind of bowl to bob in so we didn't spread any cooties around the classroom. I posted a few pics of the event over on Twitter, so if you're not following me over there, I suggest you do so. You'll find me at Alec Lace. And as we turn the page into November here, I have got some awesome dads lined up on the schedule to be joining me here on First Class Fatherhood, including candidate for U.S. Senate in Michigan, John James, Medal of Honor winner, Dakota Meyer, serial entrepreneur, Ed Milet, actor Max Martini, and so many other dads. So come on, please, lock it in here to First Class Fatherhood. We are just starting to take off uh, the success of the Craig Sawyer interview back on episode 92. And also the popularity of Brad Lee in episode 93 has really boosted the podcast in the downloads and on the rankings on iTunes, where right now at the time of this recording, we are number one in the kids and family section. And I owe that all to you listeners out there. I cannot say thank you enough for listening, subscribing, and sharing. Please continue to spread the word about this podcast here. Fatherhood is not celebrated nearly enough, and that is exactly what I am doing here on First Class Fatherhood. And I am working hard to perfect this podcast as best as I can. I'm currently still recording these podcasts in my bedroom closet here, using the clothes as a little sound barrier. Uh, But I am continuing to learn and grow and study from the podcasters out there who are successful. And my guest today is one of those guys. He is killing it in the podcasting game. He is also a first-class father. And Mike Ritland will be right here with me right after I smack you guys with a quick little spot here. So listen up. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father. He is a former Navy SEAL, a best-selling author, a world-class canine trainer, and host of Mike Drop. It is a big honor for me to say Mike Ritland. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm looking forward to our talk. Okay, Mike, let me drop a few on you here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? So I've got two kids. Uh, I'll just say that they're uh, in the preteen and teen uh, teenagers, they're both girls, so uh, they're they're getting right into that handful stage for sure. Okay, what type of sports or activities are the girls into? A little bit of everything. I mean, uh, you know, they they've tried just about everything. I mean, swimming, gymnastics, golf, tennis, uh, MMA, um, 
you know, even doing, you know, CrossFit style stuff or, or the, those types of workouts. And, uh, you know, they've, uh, one thing that, I mean, they're not unlike a lot of kids, very interested in, in a lot of different games and sports and things of that nature and just staying active. But, uh, they're, you know, their mom and I are both very active and, and do a lot of different things. Whether it's, you know, paddle boarding or, or working out or, you know, we've got a gym in the garage here and, and whatever. So they, they've, they've done and, and do just about every sport. And, and we're always uh, very encouraging of that and also try to, um, you know, try to keep them involved and keep them active. And, and we have them eat real clean and, uh, you know, so it's a concerted effort for sure. Very cool. Very active. Um, now, have you ever had the opportunity to coach the girls, or do you stay away from that and kind of cheer them on from the sideline? Yeah, I, I don't mess with the, with the coaching aspect. Um, you know, for me, it's like, <laughs> you know, one of the things that uh, that their mom and I, I think, uh, we tried unsuccessfully was working out together. Uh, and I, I view, I know there's a lot of dads out there, my hat's off to them, that, uh, that coach and have their kids on the team, whatever. But I, I kind of look at it like, uh, you know, mixing business with personal uh, to a certain extent. And that uh, I just, for me, it's not something I ever wanted to to be a part of where I'm coaching my own kids. Now, you know, on the, on the side or off to the side or, um, you know, in, in stuff where, you know, if we're doing stuff around the house or, you know, together, then yeah, I'm happy to you know help them to you know teach them whether arm bars or how to throw a certain way or uh, you know working on pull-ups or, or whatever. Then yeah, I'll do that no problem and, and enjoy doing that and, and play a pretty active role. But in a uh, in an official capacity, no, I'm not a, not a big fan of uh, of the parent coaching uh, mechanism. Okay, Mike, please take a minute here and hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what led you to becoming a canine trainer. Sure. So I uh, I grew up in, in fairly rural Iowa, um, and I was always real fascinated with and enamored by bird dogs. I had a lot of friends that, you know, them and their dads did a lot of duck hunting and, and had, you know, several, uh, you know, field trial st- uh, type hunting labs. And, and I was just always fascinated by it. I mean, we had a lab growing up. He wasn't uh, from hunting stock, and, and, you know, we didn't do anything like that with him. But, uh, but I, I still... Always marveled at his naturally inherited prey drive and, and just his ability to use his nose and and watching him, you know, in, in cold Iowa winters, uh, snaking back and forth and, and uh, getting into stuff, using his nose and what have you. And, and uh, moving forward, I joined the joined the military, the Navy, and um, got into hog dogs for a number of years while I was doing that, and, and that really ignited my passion for. Um, the kind of the animal husbandry and breeding aspect of it, um, you know, whether it was conditioning a dog to do a long, long hunt or, uh, you know, really researching, you know, conditioning and nutrition or, uh, you know, antibiotic and veterinary therapy, whether it's, you know, keeping dogs healthy after, uh, you know, getting cut open or bones broken after hunts or, uh, you know, keeping them on antibiotics and stitching things closed and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and then on a deployment to Iraq in, uh, in early 03, uh, we were in the northern part of the country up in Tikrit, and there was a group of Marines that had a bomb dog with them, uh, not far from where we were at. And, and, uh, you know, I, I had heard about an operation where, uh, this dog had saved a number of those guys' lives. And for me, that, that was my, you know, what I coin or call my light switch moment where, you know, I was big into dogs and had a, a pretty significant amount of knowledge um 
you know, as it relates to all things dog. Uh, and I was obviously pretty passionate about uh, being an operator and being in special operations. And uh, that's where it just kind of clicked, and, and I just became enamored with uh, trying to learn and, and study and, and uh, you know, apprentice as much as I could uh, as it relates to the military working dog, police dog type of application for, for working dogs. And so from 03 until as I sit here uh, speaking with you, I, I've just been constantly, uh, you know, on a, on a search for as much knowledge as I can possibly gain. Uh, and I've been, been very, very fortunate to have been presented with a lot of opportunities that, uh, you know, have, have given me the ability to learn from uh, truly world-class trainers and guys that, uh, you know, have been doing it for decades and uh, that coupled with being put in positions of, you know, being a canine trainer on the West Coast SEAL Team Canine Program, um, you know, and being around stables full of, of genetically incredibly gifted dogs and being able to cross-train with some really high-end, uh, you know, high-speed units. Uh, just, you know, overall has, has given me, um, you know, a lot of uh, knowledge and, and just created a lot of significant opportunities that uh, that I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah, so cool, man. I was telling my kids a little bit about what you do before the podcast, and I was showing them some of the YouTube videos about these military dogs and what they're capable of, and they were just blown away by seeing them jump out of airplanes and using parachutes and everything. And your girls must have had a ton of fun uh, with all these highly trained dogs being around them all the time. But have they ever become attached to any particular dog, and then you had to kind of give that dog away or it had to leave for a deployment? All the time, yeah. Uh, you know, they play an integral role and, and have, you know, from day one and, and up until now. You know, as even though they're still a little older, uh, you know, they they help out and 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 are a huge part of that. I mean, so uh, and it's funny, you know, just like with me, there's dogs that I get in that uh, that are really really hard to to see go. There's some dogs that I'm happy to watch them watch them take off, but uh, you know. It, it, it's been a neat, neat experience as a father to be able to include them in, in what I do for a living in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, to me, that that's a, a big part of, of being a parent, I think, and, and really raising our kids to be productive members of society is, uh, you know, not just tell them about your day, but, but really include them and, and try to pass that torch and instill good values and, and how to how to not be a little dipshit that's just going to, you know, uh, be a leech on society and and uh, and not have an understanding of, of what it takes to be a good employee, a good coworker, a good boss, a good manager, uh, whatever path in life they take and whichever one of those roles they they fill. I, I think that uh, as parents, it's one of our primary duties is to is to really take them under our wing and, and showcase that. And I I have found that it's been a, a very uh, productive and effective way of doing that to to really include them in my work and not just you know tell them about my day or whatever so i i include them quite a bit well said now as a navy seal you're obviously a very well disciplined individual but how are you when it comes to disciplining your daughters what type of a disciplinarian are you as a parent I, i'm definitely hard on them. uh i mean there's times where i'm probably a little too hard on them um i, I will say that Having said that, or I will caveat that with, um, you know, the amount of time that I spent in the military and, and uh, you know, drawing back on, you know, experiences that I had as a kid growing up, I think, um, you know, there's an element of that that, uh, that ultimately I think is good for them. Um, you know, that, that calculated stress 
whether it's in animals training them, raising young kids, uh, you know, dealing with with employees, etc., is that you know challenging people and, and presenting them, uh, you know, with with regular uh, scenarios and occurrences that are going to going to test them, going to test their willpower, going to test their uh, and challenge their ability to think critically. It, it's going to uh, you know measure whether or not they're they're going to waffle uh, when things get hard and. and you know, again, I, I think that's another key component to being a good, not just a parent, but a good parent, uh, you know, is to really focus on and, and make sure that you present your kids with, uh, with stressful situations where they are going to lose, where they are going to be tired, where, where it is going to test their limits. Now, it's got to be age appropriate. Uh, it's got to be scaled to what they can handle. Um, you know, it can't be so overwhelming that you just destroy their spirit and, and ruin, uh, you know, what confidence they have. Uh, but it can't be a, you know, a give me, you know, I'm just going to let them win because they're kids and, and, and that type of crap either. I mean, I, you, you've got to play that happy medium and, and, uh, you know, have these calculated, uh, elements of stress throughout their childhood that, uh, that help them grow and, and, and build their confidence and, and teach them how to, how to work through problems and things that, uh, that aren't easy. Yeah, I've spoken to a number of dads on the podcast, and most of them are just sick and tired of the every kid gets a trophy philosophy. And I was just speaking with a few NFL Hall of Fame fathers, and we were talking about how kids today are put right into organized sports, right out of the box. And I know my kids as young as four years old. And when we were growing up, we played a ton of street ball where uh, there were no parents, no refs, no coaches around. So we kind of had to handle the problem solving aspects of choosing teams, setting the rules, calling all the penalties, settling the fights. You know what I mean? And we're kind of robbing our kids of the opportunity to grow in that way. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the it, it's it's kind of all encompassing. I mean, it's that. It's the logistics of Who's bringing the ball? Where are we playing? The net's broken. How are we going to get another one? You know, all of those things combined, I think, uh, you know, the kids not having to do, do those things on their own and figure those things out, uh, I think absolutely hamstrings them, um, you know, because it's, it, it's a, it's an instrumental part of life. I mean, resourcefulness is, you know, if not the one of the most important character traits that, that a human being can have. Uh, you know, and I think if, if you don't, um, you know, instill that in kids early on by, by letting them figure those things out, uh, you really do rob them of competency as adults because, uh, you know, you, you hear about it and, and, and I can tell you firsthand of, of having had a number of employees that are in that, you know, young 20 age group, um, you know, in, in the last decade that, uh, you know, not just from an entitlement standpoint, but from a, from a, a lack of being resourceful standpoint, um, you know, I, I think it's a detriment, and, and it does them a huge disservice by uh, by by spoon feeding and hand holding every step of the way during their childhood. No, no two ways about it. Yeah, and I think another thing that's both good and bad is the social media, internet access, whatever you want to call it. I say good because I hustle Uber on the weekends, and it's a good way to make some extra cash. But one of the most encouraging things that I see about this generation of teenagers or young adults is that they're not drinking and driving nowhere near as much as, unfortunately, we did when I was their age. They're always using Ubers. They're splitting the fares, so it doesn't cost them that much. It's really awesome to see. But on the flip side of that, they're never communicating with one another. There's like a breakdown in their communication whenever they get into the car their faces are just glued to the screen uh you know they're not talking to one another they're always fiddling with their phones so i'm curious how do you handle social media time video game and technology time with your girls 
Uh, it's actually really simple for us is that they don't get any of it uh, for all of those aforementioned reasons. They don't have devices. They don't have social media profiles. They rarely get to watch TV. Uh, they spend a fair bit of time on the computer for schoolwork and things of that nature, uh, but that's it. You know, um, I have no... Um, you know, misconceptions that, that, you know, technology is, is not going anywhere. It's here to stay. And there's a level of competency that, uh, that is required, uh, you know, to be a productive member of society in most realms, um, you know, that, that, uh, that they have to learn. And so, you know, I, I don't keep it from them entirely. I mean, they, they're on computers and devices at school, uh, you know, and then there's, uh, devices, um, you know, here and, and at their mom's house that, uh, that are set aside for them to utilize for schoolwork, for research, et cetera. But they don't have Snapchat. They don't have cell phones. They don't have Facebook accounts. They're not on any of those platforms, period. And in my opinion, uh, it's, it's one of the biggest poisons that, that our children come across for, for two main reasons. One, from a security standpoint, it's fucking dangerous. Uh, you know, kids, kids get, uh, approached and abducted and, and uh, you know messed with by uh, sketchy, sneaky snakes in the grass uh, adults that, uh, that know that they're on there and and bait them into into certain things and that can't happen uh, if they're not allowed access to that uh, on, on kind of a broader scale in terms of the the detriment that it does to their personalities is is a number of things is that you know that that need for uh, for likes and followers and, and a, you know, virtual affection, uh, is poisonous. Uh, it's bad enough for adults, but for, um, you know, chil- children whose minds are being formed and developing and, uh, you know, their hormones and central nervous system and all of these things combined to, uh, you know, to contribute to what that person's personality is going to be as an adult, uh, it, when it's driven by that that need for uh you know fake uh, affection and attention and and uh, and things of that nature it, it does uh, a huge disservice uh, in terms of you know from a dopamine receptor standpoint is that it's very similar to the response that that the brain uh you know goes through or the or the process that it goes through uh when when given drugs um, and, and so there, there's a, an element of, of euphoria and self-confidence when kids see tons of, you know, people liking their things and, you know, that they don't even know uh, that, that now it, it becomes the norm. And when they don't have that, it, it makes them depressed and it's, and it's poisonous. Uh, and then the other thing, too, again, is, um, you know, from a uh, just kind of a realism standpoint is that we all know, I mean, myself included, I mean, the things that I post on social media are, of course, things that I want people to see. And I don't post things on there that I don't want them to see, you know. So uh, when that happens as a, as a kid, uh, you know, I think that it it kind of convolutes their mentality and their personality, uh, you know, to be very very fake and materialistic and and not real. You know, I think it gives gives kids a very skewed perception of reality to to let them to let them deal with it. So I just don't. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, and I never had any social media accounts myself until I started this podcast, so I'm still kind of new to all this, and I think it's just an amazing tool to use when you're trying to promote something, Uh, but I'm never on there to socialize with anybody, and I really, it doesn't make any sense to me why people are even concerned about likes or followers if they're not selling anything online. Well, again, I think it's an ego thing, unquestionably. I mean, I, I see 
I see it all the time. You know, it's, it's almost like the, the Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian syndrome is that they're famous for being famous, uh, and, and that, that drives a lot of our society, uh, you know, needing that, that, uh, um, you know, uh, again, that vir- virtual affection, the attention or, or the validation of their existence. And I think, you know, to me, it's like, if you're that bored, you know, learn how to fly a helicopter, you know, figure out how to, how to bake cakes better than you do. I mean, whatever it is, like, um, you know, it's just, I don't understand why, why there's such a, uh, you know, a sponge for, for attention in terms of people's egos to feed it. I, you know, I just, to me, I, I think people should, uh, should find other things to, to validate uh, what they're doing. But yeah, I kind of love what Jim Rohn used to offer on that when he used to say, uh, don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. But um, let me ask you about your podcast, Mike Drop. It's an extremely popular podcast. What was the genesis of that and how did that come about? So for me, it was, uh, you know, being, you know, out and about in the in the public eye, so to speak, with, uh, you know, with the canine training and the books and, and the different media that I've uh, been fortunate enough to be asked to be on and things of that nature, you know, it's always very, um, you know, I'm wearing a hat for this environment. I'm, I'm, you know, conducting myself in this professional manner because I'm in front of this group. Uh, you know, it was a desire to want to have a, a medium and a format where I didn't have to do any of that um, and can just be me, number one. And then number two is that I know myself and, and just the fact that, that, say, Trump got elected as an example is that, you know, with all of the baggage that came along with, uh, you know, with his um, candidacy, you know, the, the over, overwhelming or overriding principled theme that I noticed, at least, is that people are so starved for somebody who's just willing to tell you whatever the hell is on their mind, regardless of what it is, uh, you know, it, that, that, that thirst and desire for somebody that's authentic is, is so significant, uh, you know, that I think that that played a big role in, in him being elected. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, saying anything about, about him as a president, bad, good, or, or, or otherwise. I'm, I'm speaking merely from, uh, just what, what he brought to the table, how he conducted himself. Uh, and it was unlike anything anybody had seen in a long time. And I think it, it played an enormous role in him getting elected. And, and, you know, when I watch media, whether it's, you know, cable news or, uh, you know, listening to other podcasts or whatever is, is that there's always that, that veil of political correctness. And let's not talk about that because it may offend group A or well, you know, I'd rather you not swear because we might have kids listening or, or whatever. Uh, you know, and, and, and to me, that it, it just, it, it got to a, a, a breaking point for me and that I was, I was so sick and tired, uh, of, of being on interviews like that or, uh, you know, or, or watching shows where they have people on for 90 seconds, you know, and you don't ever really get whatever the hell it is that, that you're, that you're, they're trying to convey or, uh, or they won't ask them questions that you know damn well everybody wants to, to them to be asked. Uh, and so that that's really the gist of it is that I, I wanted a just a, a pure raw unfiltered platform where I could have interesting guests on and ask them whatever the hell I wanted. I, there's nobody telling me who I can have on, who I can't, what we can talk about, how long it needs to be, and so it's that long form, super in depth, um, you know, type of questioning where it, it, it's it's as if me and this person sitting across from me are good friends. 
we're sitting in our kitchen table catching up and there's a microphone. I mean, that, that is my, my goal for the field by and large, uh, you know, to be that way in terms of, of how authentic and real the conversation is. Yeah, I love the platform and the opportunity that it provides. Uh, for me, I'm only five months into this, and I was really just sick of hearing young people, especially young men, talking so poorly about fatherhood and parenthood. And, and I always say it feels like family life is under attack in this country. Uh, and I'm just glad there's a way for me to get the message out there that, hey, fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and, and there's so much good that comes out of the family life. Yeah. I mean, to me, even, even more important than that, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's vital for, for our country and, and frankly, every, every nation on the planet, uh, you know, to have better resources in terms of how to be a good, effective parent because there's a lot of bullshit out there that, uh, that, that there's not, you know, uh, or that, you know, there's a lot of convoluted, um, conflicting, um, you know, participation trophy everybody's a winner kinder gentler uh, you know type of of coddling and, and raising of kids that uh, that's been a huge detriment to, to our society and uh, and it needs to stop so uh you know I, i'm i'm glad you're doing it and it's uh you know it's refreshing to uh you know to be able to to have those types of discussions yeah, and the overwhelming response from the dads all across the country has been in total agreement with what we're saying here. And it makes me wonder why that's not being reflected out in the mainstream, because once the family unit is broken down, I think it goes without question that the results are just detrimental to everybody in the culture. Yeah, no, I know it. It's, it's mind-numbing. But, uh, you know, what? I guess, you know, what, what can you do other than what you're doing? I mean, to me, that's that's one of the beauties of, of, the, of the podcast platform is it gives – your common man instant uh viral access to 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 the public if if it's warranted you know if uh, if it's good content and there's a desire for people to hear it it, uh, it you know it it cuts the uh you know the the corporate greed media out out at the knees in terms of being able to control what gets put out there and to me it's uh, it's you know, it's the 21st century uh, First Amendment on steroids. I mean, like it personifies that, and, uh, and I love that about it. Yeah, well said. All right, you have a number of best-selling books out there, Trident Canine Warriors and Team Dog among them. Are you writing any other books at the moment, or what's coming next for Mike Ritlin? Uh, no other books right now. Um, I, I may do um, kind of a, a 2.0 of the training book, uh, perhaps, Um you know, it just kind of depends on uh, how much time I have and, and whether or not I really, you know, feel the the need to do it. Um, you know, for me, the the couple of things that I'm I'm focusing on, uh, you know, in the near future here is one, obviously, the podcast, and just continue to to put time into that and, and grow it. Uh, and then my online training has been a resource again that uh, that I've put a lot of time into over the last a uh, little over two years now, or, or a couple months into our third year. Um, and, and, you know, to me, that's been something that I've been passionate about similarly to, you know, seeing a bunch of dipshit kids running around where their parents, you know, hand them an iPad and, and ignore them. And that's their version of parenting is you see that same approach with dogs a lot, uh, where people have their head buried in their ass when it comes to dogs and they don't know what they're doing and, uh, you know, and, and they don't pay attention and they, and they don't, uh, care enough to, uh, educate themselves, uh, in terms of the proper, proper way to, to raise a dog and, and do it the right way, you know. So um, I started this this online training program where you do it yourself, you do it at home at your own pace, and it's it's just very, very simple, fundamental 
uh, you know, principled elements of structuring the dog's day and, and, and the training sessions and the nutrition and the mental and stim, stim, uh, or mental and physical stimulation and engagement and coupling all of those things together, uh, you know, to create an environment that is conducive to teaching a dog what the expectations are. And so, um, you know, that, that's been a, a big part of what I've been doing and, and trying to grow that to, uh, to help as many people as possible. And then we've had, uh, just overwhelming uh, positive feedback from that. So uh, just continuing to do that and, and continue to grow it as a resource. Um, looking at, at potentially launching some Trico's training franchises to help augment that process, uh, you know, across the country, uh, as well as uh, I've developed and partnered with uh, a number of, of canine-related products, both uh, on the on the physical gear side, crates, collars, leashes, treat bags, clickers, things like that, uh, as well as uh, on the supplement side, CBD oils and um, MCT oil powders and collagen powders and gels and, uh, you know, things of that nature to uh, to help augment, uh, you know, dogs that have anxiety or joint problems or, or other things. You know, there's a number of products out there that um, – that I wanted to to kind of create uh, or improve upon that I just wasn't happy with with what's out there in the market. So uh, you know, I've, I've and in the next six months or so, you'll see a number of, of Trico's products that uh, that encompass all of all of those same types of things. Very cool. All right, now I've seen you throw up the icon there, the Mike Ritlin for president. Uh, have you ever been approached for, or would you ever consider a run for office of any kind? I mean, I, I get asked quite a bit uh, about it, you know, whether it's running at a local level or, uh, I mean, crazily enough, I, you know, I, there were people that wrote my name in more than I would have thought uh, at the last presidential election, which I, is both flattering and scary. But, um, I mean, I, I would say not seriously. I mean, if, if there were enough people and and, uh, and the, enough of the right people uh, behind, you know, wanting me to do that and, and you know, did the the logistical preparations to, to accommodate something like that, I would certainly consider it, but it's, it's certainly not something that, uh, that, that I have any interest in or, uh, or any, any real, realistic thought process of saying, yeah, I'm probably going to run for X position at some point in my life. It's, it's, it's not, uh, not really on the radar, uh, enough for me to consider doing anything realistically or, or, uh, or whatever, but. Yeah, I think the whole political atmosphere right now is so toxic. And I think you're right on with why Trump won the election. And I also think that that's a big reason why your community of Navy SEALs is so popular. You guys are just telling it like it is. And people are really sick and tired of political correctness and being jerked around. Uh, I definitely love the SEAL community. I think we need more guys like you for our kids to look up to and emulate. I love the honesty, the integrity, the mindsets of you guys. And if it were up to me, uh, every Navy SEAL would have to write their own autobiography once they come out of the teams uh you guys aren't celebrated nearly enough as far as i'm concerned yeah no, i mean it's uh yeah i mean it's it's neat uh you know and humbling for sure to to be in a position where where there's as many people as there are that want to hear uh, our types of stories you know i mean it's uh it, it's a double-edged sword for sure uh but uh but again i, I you know i think this country needs um, more and better role models for uh, for our kids growing up. Um, you know, people that, uh, that that you know put the the greater good in, in front of their own self interests and uh, you know and, and serve in whatever capacity. And there's obviously a multitude of ways to do that. But uh, you know, I, I I am 
very, very, um, you know, gracious and, and, and humbled and, uh, flattered, frankly, and feel very fortunate to, to be in, in a position where, where people care what I think and, and want to hear what I have to say. So it, uh, I, I certainly don't take that for granted. Okay, Mike, let me hit you with one more question here. I'd love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? Uh, a couple of things. I mean, number one is that put in the time, you know, do the work. Uh, it, it's not easy. It's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever had to do, and it's for the rest of your damn life. Um, you know, to me, you should take that responsibility as a privilege, uh, and, and realize that you are going to be the one or, or one of the, the key ingredients uh, and, and influencers in that young child's life to shape how they turn out. You don't have 100% control, but you play a big fucking role in it. And, and so don't uh, don't take that lightly. Uh, I'm not going to say don't screw it up because you are going to screw it up. So that, that leads me to the other thing is realize you're not going to do it perfect. You're going to make mistakes. We're all human, just like every other aspect of your life learn from it and don't do it again. Uh, use that feedback loop uh, that your kids provide you with constantly uh, to learn from your mistakes and then make adjustments and pivot when you need to. If you're too hard on them, you're too soft on them, you're, you're too involved, you're not involved enough. Uh, you know. And then last but certainly not least is set the fucking example. Uh, you know, I, I can't stress that enough. And, and that's whether you're, you're a father, whether you're a business owner, uh, whether you're a spouse, Whatever it is, is that, you know, be that example that you want your kids to be, that you want your employer, employees to be, that you want your spouse to be, your business partners, your friends, whatever. Uh, obviously, in this case, it's kids, and so it's magnified because they're little sponges, as we all know. You know, and they pay attention. I mean, they're a lot like dogs in a lot of ways, frankly, especially when they're really young. Uh, but even as they get older, is they pay attention to every damn thing that you do, uh, you know, and, and they're they're going to mimic it, they're going to emulate it. If you're lazy and you blow things off, you procrastinate, you're you're a disrespectful prick, uh, you know, you don't handle your business. Guess what? They're going to watch all that and they're going to think that that's how you handle yourself and that that's how you conduct yourself, and that shit's unacceptable. So uh, if you don't want to continue to, uh, you know, aid in the population of dipshits running around. Don't be one. Uh, set that example. Put the time in, and, and be consistent with it, and, uh, and make it make it happen. <laughs> yeah, right on with that. I love the message. You are a first class father for sure, and I just like to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'll have to have to get you on mic drop here at some point. Wow, that would be an honor for sure, Mike Ritland. Everybody, I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Ritland for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was pretty cool. Uh, please hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a little DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And stay tuned. Lock it in here for next week. I got another exciting week of First Class Fatherhood on tap. You want to find out who the guests are? Get on over to Twitter. Get over to Instagram and follow me over there. At Alec Lace. At Alec underscore Lace. Got another week of First Class Fatherhood in the books here. Please, guys, keep pumping up the downloads there. Keep First Class Fatherhood at the top of the iTunes charts. You guys have been great. That's all I got for you guys this week. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend out there. Spend the time with your kids. Love your family. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, 
We are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.